Hello, Screeders. I have to admit, I think everything has settled down and I could get back to a regular routine. But I have some resistance and reluctance to fill my days and nights with gaming. I love gaming, don't get me wrong. But I think the last year and a half of separation I've filled... I filled every day and I was either prepping for a game, running a game, or talking about a game. And I don't know if that's how I want to continue. I definitely want to keep running and streaming games. I love doing that. I love having the recordings. I love hearing what people think about it. I really like the idea of people being able to watch the streams and see how I run games and maybe learn or even give me some pointers. I really like that. I like the stories that have been created through the games that I ran. But right now, I don't know how ready I am to leap back into it. I have some things to figure out. But I don't know. What I do know, today is May 5th, Cinco de Mayo. This would be the last anniversary of Heidi and I getting together as a couple. I mean, it really doesn't count because we haven't been, but everything seems way more final now, today, this time. I am Jason Hobbs, and this is Random Screed. Hello, Hobbs. It's Mike from Idaho. Responding to your comment on your game store experience in your recent uh, screed, random screed episode. And I, I, I just wanted to comment because I think sometimes those people inside the game stores don't understand the power they hold. About six or seven years ago, I walked into a game store and interested in starting the RPG hobby. And the person at the counter was just so rude he made fun of me for not playing before made fun of me for looking at um i don't remember the system over a different system and in fact i left and and just was discouraged felt man if people are this rude in this hobby i don't want to play it and you know fast forward you know five years later i walk into another game store which the guy was so nice he he uh opens up a copy of the starter kit of D&D, shows me the last uh, mine of Fandelver and the lost mines of Fandelver, shows me, walks me through the rules, plays a little bit with me to show me. He even gives me a free dice set. Um, and that kind of stuff made me think, gosh, you know, I want to play this. This sounds fun. And that's when I started playing and then getting into uh, the different podcasts, listening to playing with you at Hobbs and Friends and, and just having a good time and listening to the um, gaming and BS guys as well and getting to meet some really cool people. So I think the people in the gaming stores need to realize, what again, what power they have and those who they can influence. It's like in any hobby. I have other hobbies where there's just some complete tools out there and you just got to sift through them, I guess. But anyways, glad to hear you're back on your feet, back on the mics. Hope all is well. Can't wait to play some North Marches again. And uh, we'll listen to you later. Bye. And there was Mike Hess, longtime listener, first time caller. 
I had the pleasure of playing uh, Call of Cthulhu with Mike Hess through the Gaming and BS forums and uh, having Edwin run that game. I don't know, six or seven sessions. We had a ball. I talked about it here on the podcast. Thanks for calling in, Mike. That is really interesting and even makes that relationship with uh, the clerk at the gaming store even more weird and strange. It's awesome that you had a good experience the second time. It's unfortunate the first time got all jacked up, but I agree with you. It is a great hobby, but like any hobby, when you start to dive deeper into it, you got different sorts of people, and more unfortunately, this particular hobby may have more awkward people in it, people who are unused to social engagement and uh, I just think that's a fact. And I think that's why maybe it is a little worse than some other hobbies. But I don't know. Regardless, man, I really appreciate you calling in and sharing. And I think that we will be returning to the North Marches soon. Mike Hess, everybody. What up, Hobbs? It's Arlen. I thought I called in about winning, but uh, I apparently did not. So I'm calling in on clawing back. Um, yeah, I'm glad you're feeling good. You're not feeling anxious and all of that. Not feeling depressed, all that sort of stuff. Um, military sci-fi. I'm not sure. I don't know. I There's some pieces of your definition that I like, but then there's some other things that come up that like, I guess, uh, for instance, within your, I'd have to listen again to be sure, but it seemed like your definition did not exclude something like Star Trek, which to me doesn't feel very military sci-fi, despite the fact that it has this kind of semi-military organizational structure and all of that sort of stuff, right? That the the Federation is at least based on uh, real navies and all that. So anyway. But I'm glad you had fun with Battle Lords and with Deadlands and all that sort of stuff. Maybe we should do a, an episode of BX about uh, military sci-fi and definitions of genres and all of that sort of stuff. That might be fun. You know, we could do that sometime. Um, yeah. Uh, aside from that, uh, like I said, I'm glad you're doing doing well. Um, I also this uh, so for uh, Taylor Clerics wear ringmail. Um, the, the whispering GM, I have been thinking a lot about that Colin and your response, and I'm going to do an episode on my podcast about kind of detrimental, detrimental play and what that means and, uh, whether or not that is sort of inherently good RP or things like that, all of that sort of stuff. I've got sort of a big, a big thing to, to work on there. So anyway. So I thought I'd call in and say thanks for the episode, Hobbs. Um, it's good to hear your voice on the Anchor Waves again. Um, and I will talk to you soon, buddy. All right. See ya. Harlan Walker, my man. Live from Pelham's Wasteland. The highbrow of the Librum Society. And the first guest on Bygone Exhumations. And the last guest on Hobbs and Friends so far. No intention of stopping Hobbs and Friends uh, completely. 
Anyway, there is an introduction for him. And yeah, he had some great points. Uh, I would love to talk deeper, more deeply concerning military sci-fi. It's something that has plagued me for some time. Uh, I haven't been able to quite pin down what I'm looking for, but I don't really feel like I've ever found it either. It kind of goes way back to a Star Frontiers session that I didn't play a lot of. Star Frontiers, by the way. Uh, It was around the era of Zebulon's Guide to the Galaxy. If anyone knows where that rolls in. We never really played Nighthawks that much. We were more, more Alpha Dawn. And I think the Alpha Dawn products kind of disappointed me in some ways because they seem more... I don't know, humor or something when you look at the Volturnus, but I always loved the bat people wearing the mask, the, uh, I remember the aliens with the brusk, and, um, Yazari, Yazarin, Yazarians, I don't know, Uh, I would love to play that kind of character, like a flying squirrel type of thing, but I would want it to be a little more serious than I felt like the Alpha Dawn, um, adventures were. Um, and like I say, I don't want to play the floating vagabond. I don't want to just be Firefly. I want something more than that. And I don't know if military sci-fi is exactly the answer, but I do kind of like the bug hunt idea. But I would like something more as well. So I don't know what the answer is, but thanks for calling in about military sci-fi. I think everyone should go and listen to Live from Pelham's Wasteland to hear... Arlen's response to mine and Taylor, the Whispering GM's uh, conversation concerning uh, role-playing and what makes good role-play and what doesn't. That's awesome. And, of course, I really appreciate you mentioning uh, hearing me back on the waves. I enjoy it. I never want to give it up completely. I know I've faded away some, but I think I think I'll be back. I don't know if anyone knows, but I've been going through this process of um, periodontal flap surgery, which is horrific and brutal, and I would tell all you kitties to take the best possible care of your teeth, floss every night, and brush twice a day at least. Uh, You may hear like a weird kind of lisp or something coming from me. That's because I had another quarter of my mouth done yesterday. It's not as bad. I didn't get the whole half like last time, but uh, still pretty brutal. Difficult to talk and open your mouth up all the way, but I was really dying to get another episode out. I had the urge, and I wanted to let you all know. So, anyhow, there you go. Arlen, thanks for calling in, my man. Hey, Jason, the other Jason. Great to hear you back on the air. Military sci-fi and Battle Lords. I had a great time in that game of Battle Lords. I agree it did feel a bit crunchy, but you know what? It went pretty quick, and I think... It would have gone even quicker if the character sheets had just had the weapon stats written on the sheet. You know what I mean? Like you had that chainsaw that we weren't sure what the stats were because they weren't in the quick start rules. So I think it could have been streamlined a little bit. I th- it's, pr- it's pretty heavy in the character creation it looks like. But it looks like at the table it probably plays pretty quick. So that's good. It was more of a we were like a mercenary band of troubleshooters than anything. More, not like a military unit. It wasn't like Starship Troopers or colonial marines or anything but like and and you said that i i think you can do military sci-fi with a lighter 
with lighter rules, with less rules, with more narrative rules, I, I definitely think you could do it. The other game in military sci-fi played that Che ran, actually, was using Cypher. And, and that's arguably a lighter set of rules. Um, there's also 316 that Pete Jones has reviewed over at Dragons Are Real. That's a pretty light set of rules, and that's for these kind of games. There's all, I know there's a power to pop, Powered by Apocalypse game that I want to say is based like on the Black Company, which I guess is fantasy, where you're like the military that's been cr- defeated and you're trying to get back home or something like that. But you could probably adopt that to military era to sci-fi as well from fantasy. So, yeah, I definitely think you could do it right with with less rules and more narratively. Um, is it, I think the bigger thing with military sci-fi is to have all the players in the right mindset that they're going to play that game and not do you know jokes and things will kind of pull you out of that that set that mindset right so savage worlds yeah the naming conventions are kind of weird aren't they expedition or the Advent, explorer edition adventure edition <laughs> i i like savage worlds quite a bit i think savage worlds is a really really versatile system i think the core rule book's pretty dry to read but that said it, there are some awesome settings so as far as the West goes, a setting that sounds like it fits what you're looking for is called the Sixth Gun. Sixth, like um, S-I-X-T-H. Sixth Gun. It's based on a comic book series. And that is closer, I think, to what you're looking for in a weird West comic. And I agree with you. Most of these are urban fan. Well, they're not urban fantasy. They're well, they're urban fantasy set in the Old West, right? So it's Dresden Files set in the Old West, and I agree with you. I don't want to play that. I, I, I want to play more characters or normal humans investigating weird stuff. All right, Jason Connerly, the other Jason, his self-inflicted name, from Nerds RPG Variety Cast. So more conversation about military sci-fi, and Jason was obviously in the game with uh, Che and I and uh, Rev Derek. And uh, yeah, it was fun, no doubt about it. I'm glad that I got a chance to play in it. Uh, It was a great opportunity, and I really feel that I'm glad that I didn't miss out for certain. Considering it a little deeper, what exactly am I thinking about it's not, like, I think you could run a pretty fun Battlestar Galactica type of game or, like, a large armada traveling through space. But most of the time, I think the interaction would be ship to ship. Like, if you had little fighters and stuff and they, you know, send out the fighters. But that isn't necessarily what I am looking for. I would like that. I think that's a cool idea. But that isn't exactly what I'm looking for. When I say Battlestar Galactica, it could be that. It could be... Uh, Buck Rogers. Buck Rogers kind of had that. Lots of fighters fighting. Dog fighting and stuff. That would be cool if you had some good dog fighting rules. But I think what I'm really wondering, here is a question that I'm going to pose to you screeters. In the movie Aliens, you had, you know, the Marines, right? The Space Marines. And we got to see what they did against um, the alien creature, the Geigers. What else do you think the uh, the Space Marines did? They're obviously used to combat. You know, they seemed battle-scarred. They seemed, you know, used to conflict. What is it they were conflicting? What other stories would you tell with Space Marines that isn't 
fighting aliens because that was obviously a new threat. They were unfamiliar with them. So what do you think that looked like? I'm sure that I don't have enough alien lore to know myself, but if you know, let me know through this show. It would be much appreciated. All right, The Sixth Gun. I have read some Sixth Gun, and I liked it. I think you could do a lot of stuff. You could do a lot of stuff with the Weird West. Like, I kind of wonder if you could mix that feeling of the other world from, like you mentioned, um, Butcher's Dresden Files or like White Wolf or something else is going on um, or the movie They or something. But instead of it being vampires and werewolves, it was really uh, demons or something like that. And are they demons? And what are the demons? Are they extra dimensional? Are they actually from hell? Does it turn into um, a kind of a religious thing? That was always one of my ideas that I wanted to really explore in Good Intentions, the Western game I was writing. At its heart, the core loop, not the core mechanic, but the core loop of the book was really, or the game would be, what are you willing to do to succeed in the wild frontier and then you would be dealing with you know you could have some people of faith some people of not faith and the different ways they would affect I never finished the game I always got lost or kind of stalled in some different areas uh, considering the domain portion and the a whole new thing, and maybe I'll talk about this other concept again later in um, Days of High Adventure. But I like the idea. Uh, I, Carl Rodriguez mentioned he was really into that concept of the Pinkertons, you know, doing kind of X Files in the Weird West. Uh, Carl Rodriguez actually perfectly nailed my type of Weird Rest weird west in his um, high plains drifter uh, fantasy or not fantasy but hero system game that was play by post that we played on hero central that game was awesome and i loved the feeling of it in fact i totally emulated and was completely inspired by that game when i was running my good intentions play tests so thanks to carl for that i don't even know I was going to say, I don't know if he listens to this, but he obviously does because he commented on last episode. But Anyway, thanks so much for calling in, Jason. You uh, brought up some great points. I feel like maybe I'll look for the sixth gun again and check that out. If he is up or down, his podcast still comes round. Hobbs is in his van. Don't turn off that sad nap man. Random screed, random screed, don't know what you get, but it's what you need. Status report. Alright, so uh, I mentioned my issues with uh, my teeth currently that I'm going through and my reluctance to hit it hard like I was almost feeling every day with gaming. I want to find a balance where that is so I can also work on other aspects of my life. Like I've recently taken up golfing. I'm going, (laughs) I was asked to go on a bachelor party 
that is a golfing outing. Now, I haven't golfed in 20 years. I used to golf um, back in the day with some buddies that I worked with, but um, I could choose between golfing or playing paintball because both were pretty expensive sports, and I chose paintball and had a fantastic, fun, wonderful career in paintball. But I am now you know, 40 years behind all the other 50-year-old golfers out there. And I, uh, I borrowed some clubs from a guy, and I hit some balls around on Friday. Last week, it was bad. When I say I hit some balls around, I duffed a lot of clubs into the dirt. I worm-burned a lot of balls around. I, uh, yeah, I shanked a lot sliced a lot not a whole lot of straight down the line a couple but not a lot so we're like talking 20 percent so that is not good all right so golfing uh this bachelor party is going to be a friday saturday thing and we're golfing a shit ton on friday like i think it is 18 plus nine so 27 holes on Friday and then like another 18 on Saturday and I'll probably be exhausted and after I agreed to do that I was then invited to another golf outing which is a best ball charity event for the firemen in Byron oh my god this is on Saturday I'm terrible I don't even know I think they just want a fourth person I don't know why they would be better off with three but you never know out of the hundred 80 shots that I'm going to take, maybe one of them will be worth something. But I doubt it. Alright, last on the list of the vinyl couch is dating. So I've been on three dates in the past month or so. Um, No love connections. I don't know exactly how I feel about it. I've met a a nice couple nice ladies uh, who are great. They're just not exactly what I'm looking for. And maybe I'm being too picky. I don't know. But I don't I don't really see the purpose of settling. But uh, the environment, I'm learning from it fast, I guess. It is, uh, <laughs> it is a weird thing. First, you got to spend too much fucking money on dating. You got to spend way too much money on dating apps to get to know people because I mean it's not like I'm still going out and seeing a bunch of people and then meeting their friends or their single ladies you know so how else are you going to meet anybody but and then you go through this process of trying to weed people out you know swipe left swipe right and then if you have two people like me and someone else that swiped right then you guys start to have a conversation if the guy starts it which I'm not very good at because you know these are these are all like if-then statements, right? You're all just weeding each other out. So after the online app, then people may exchange phone numbers. So you're no longer just texting or voice or text chatting through this dating app. Now you are chatting through your actual phone. So it's like these tiers of progression that you're trying to get through. And I don't know if I'm challenged by it or what, but I always feel like I, I've, I lost if I didn't get through it, right? I didn't uh, succeed on my skill and challenge tests when I should be doing as much weeding, weeding as they are. But uh, 
my hopeful nature puts me into a position where I think maybe I'm not doing a good job of being selective pre-actual date. But I don't know. I don't even know if this is something that interests anyone. But um, yeah, dating. These are the days of high adventure. Alright, some gaming for you. So, as promised, um, I wanted to talk a little bit about the concept of... It's not exactly alignment. It's more of attempting as uh, GMs and players to follow characters on a spectrum of morality to then define abilities or something that they get. So, for example, in uh, Good Intentions, I was trying to say if someone um, was godly or devilish, and the actions that they took would move them on the spectrum, and then that would have different effects depending on what they were engaged in. I was doing the same thing, well, not exactly the same thing, but something similar with... um, I don't even remember, kind of my Infinite City concept with uh, black powder weapons. But instead of this scale of devilish and godly, it was more of where do you fit on the seven deadly sins? And then which factions would you interact with on a aura or like an aesthetic, a character, you know, portrayal? Like what does your aura look like? to these people who might be able to see it and then you would have reaction modifiers with them but here's here is the rub the way a player sees his character versus the way other players see that character and the GMs see the character are all different and this question of morality is very subjective so having a GM force a character or choose or judge play in a way to make these decisions seems like it's just it's too it's too hard it's too subjective so it just occurred to me while I was talking about it that maybe the way to do it is just like when you are um, going as a GM and something's happening and you are you know describing the risk so a player knows exactly what's going to happen like the stakes I think they call it describing the stakes in a way that everybody knows what the situation is if you succeed this is what's going to happen if you fail this is what's going to happen these are the critical fail and the critical success uh, things that are going to happen if, if it goes that far. I'm not saying it always has to, but I'm just saying so a way to define the stakes ahead of time. But it still, I think, is going to feel really arbitrary. And uh, I, don't, I don't think that is good game design. So, yeah, let me know what you guys think. All right, I'm going to wrap this up. Thanks for listening. Uh, thanks again to Arlen and Jason for calling in. It was much appreciated. And um, you should know that this podcast is called Random Screed. It's a journal 
uh, a private journal of myself and my days as I pass through them with bipolar disorder and trying to make it better through RPGs. So, there you have it. Good day. Take it away, TJ.